Blog Talk Radio. Anyone can have the answer. 
anyone can have the answer. I am <laughs> I'm glad that Willie Joe and Drusilla raised me. I don't know what they did in particular to make me the way I am. I, I do know my environment was part of it, uh, growing up in the environment that I grew up in early. Um, but more so, I know it had to be more of my parents rearing. I'm an only child, and I lived in the country, so I was basically on my own. I didn't realize. I thought I had friends, but I didn't. And um, I don't know exactly what it was or how it came to be, how it was, but they made me the way I am now. And I'm looking at life differently the older I get, the more experiences I've had. But I'm also reflecting. What's going on, Joe? Glad you could listen. I'm reflecting on how my upbringing formed me and trying to figure out what the good parts were and what the things that were opposite of that were so that I could focus more on those good parts to impart to my own children, which is hard. You know, people say that I impart the bad parts. Well, I am tough. My, both my parents raised me tough, and I have thicker skin, which keeps me more uh, able to avoid certain kinds of hurt. But then on the other hand, I can't love a certain kind of way that people who are lovey-dovey love. So it's that's something I'm learning to do. Hey, Pam, glad you can tune in. So here we are. I'm at a point in my life where I'm trying to figure out what, where did I find certain answers? I've already alluded to this so that y'all have no secret. Answers came from everywhere. It wasn't just my parents. It is never just your parents who raised you unless your parents are the only people in your life. Um, so here we are. I'm at a crux. Where did answers come from? I started looking at how the world treats one another. I was telling a good friend yesterday, we were talking about, you know, I don't know, life. And uh, most women um, like these romance novels, you know, the, the spicy novels. What's going on, recipient? Um, uh, these spicy, y'all know the spicy romance novels. Those are the type of books that a lot of grown women like to read. I may be wrong. I know my wife used to read them, and all of my grown women friends, they read them, right? But I've never been a fan of fantasy, right? I'm, I'm more of a fan of history and certain other um, types of self-motivation, um, clarity, soul-searching, spiritual-type books. Weird. I just finished The Twelve Powers of Man, and now I'm reading The Kabbalion. How in the world I came to be that those are the types of books I like 
But I knew that coming up, the teachers thought they had the answers with us reading all those same books, you know, the books you read in elementary school, pretty much everybody reads the same ones, the poems that you get in English class, you know, from Aesop, all those are the same. Nobody ever really went out on a limb and got stuff that us as kids growing up in certain generations would lean towards. And it took me to well past my early adulthood, well past my 20s into my 30s, before I began to figure out reading not only was fundamental, but you have to pick out what you like to read in order to read. Otherwise, if you're just reading to be reading, it's not that fun, and you don't read as much. And I figured out that one of the places that I could find answers was in books. And I started thinking, how do these people write these books? And then I thought about it. I'm trying to write my own book. And basically, you put all your thoughts down, and then you organize them so that it makes a flow, and that's a book. Pretty much, that's a book. If you have a start and a finish and you have a reason, that's, that's a book. Thinking about the people who write books, authors, I like people who are creative. I'm good. Got some chicken fried rice for my friend, Soltese. What is the name of Soltese? What is it? Soul Kitchen? Asian Soul Kitchen? Food truck? Got to go there. Yeah, let me show show these folks. They don't don't understand. I got the camera rolling. Look at all that chicken on there. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And the extra onions like I like it. Y'all know I'm going to get y'all off of here in a few minutes. God is a good God. So I started thinking about the authors and poems, and I've always been close to authors and poets, even when I was younger. I used to write a lot of poetry. And I started getting around these people. They're a little weird. Then I thought about it, I'm a little weird too. And I've always been a fan of and gravitated towards poets, rappers, you know, artists, both visual and performing as well as vocal, right? And I started thinking, these folks, because their life is, a, 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 is artwork, life is art, and they know how to put that life into the art form, which makes it more palatable and then sometimes reflective of people. And I started saying, you know, almost everybody likes music. People like different types of music, right? You got rock music, you got R&B, you got hip hop, you've got uh, country, so on and so forth. Then you got other countries types of music, Celtic, all that stuff I listen to, right? I mean, I didn't, I didn't start the multicultural festival in Longview. Um, years ago because I just wanted to start it. It was a thing of love, and I was like, you know, I like this stuff, and maybe some other people will. And there was a lot of people. It ends up being thousands, tens of thousands of people liked it and came out. We had people from Korea. We had people from all over the world that came to that festival here in Longview. And it was just a wonderful thing, but almost every one of them were either into the healing arts or they were into some kind of other art that, that came, right? Which is cool because that's the one of the expressions that helps people gravitate towards others, right? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, Joe. But, you know, we, we also sell it to them, and we haven't figured out how to keep our own with our own. Um, but the, 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 the fact that you have all these artistic people, I didn't say autistic, artistic people, together, 
it was like a force of energy in the room, and people loved it. And so I started thinking, you know what? When I listen to Quiet Storm, right, a jam, I go to a certain place. I don't know about you all, but when I listen to Quiet Storm, whatever Quincy Jones was doing, whatever, whatever cocaine and alcohol he was drinking, he was a bad boy. What is going on? My PC just restarted, and so the people on Facebook have lost me. So the only people I have is those of you all listening on the phone. I have no idea why my PC decided to restart and collecting some error info, and it's only on 5%. But I'm going to keep going with the show. Uh, all those people on Facebook, I apologize for listening to this later in an archive. But I've got y'all. Listen. The, the, these artistic and poetic folks taught us things. Musicians and and vocal artists taught us things, and they they basically took all the experiences that many of us have and put it in a form to say, "Hey, look, we can embrace what it is that we have going on in our world right now here." And, and face it and have a good time or cry about it and get closer to God or, you know what, say forget it all, I'm not going to worry about it. But they have the ability to change our moods. It's a drug, music. And I said, you know what, these artistic people have the answer. And then I learned the music business and uh, – jacked around a little bit in Houston with artists, and y'all would never believe. Um, I wish that we had the faith for people that we might have to go back to this point, but we're going to talk about it next week, the next week's show. I started to, um, well, I didn't do anything. I saw the clip of a guy in Minneapolis, George Floyd, and I looked at the guy um, when he was down on the ground or when they threw him down on the ground. When I first saw the video, I don't watch it over and over again because that's just disturbing. I think it's foolish for people to keep sharing the video. But um, I looked at the guy and I said, he looks familiar. Didn't think nothing else about it. You know how crazy life is. You know, you always say, you know, you look at people and, you know, they look familiar. There have been four people that were nationally um, televised about their murder by the hands of police, I looked at it and I said, hmm, that person looks familiar, or that name is familiar. And all four of the people I knew either directly or indirectly. The man that was killed a couple of days ago in Minneapolis, I knew directly. And I didn't realize it because I always say people look familiar until one of my cousins sent me a text and he said, did you know the dude who got killed in Minneapolis was Big Floyd? Now, my cousin knows that I was heavy into what was called the screwed-up click on music out of Houston. And our record label that one of my buddies owned that I helped him with, um, we did a lot of collaboration with artists out of the screwed-up click. And so since... We had artists. I was more like an A&R director, and I also did security when we did shows. 
uh, one of the guys out of many of the guys in Houston that we came across um, more than one occasion, more than two or three occasions, but I can't even think about how many times. Um, just happened to come across, um, did our thing together, whatever, and uh, didn't think anything about it. You know, when I was young, we didn't take any pictures or anything like that. There are some records that my name is mentioned on, but other than that, there's no other real proof. But um, the guy, Big Floyd, was one of the people out of the SUC, out of the Houston music scene in the background that I worked with. And I was like, man, no. Because I, I didn't think about George Floyd, because I never knew his name was George, and him looking familiar, but I'm like, I don't know that many people in Minneapolis. I got some, my, one of my closest friends from childhood, he's back and forth and lives in Minneapolis, but I knew that wasn't him. And then I've got some other people that uh, from my, I believe, my mom, was it Detroit or Minneapolis? Oh, I forgot. My my cousin, uh, my cousins, uh, Jeremy and Javante, they lived in Minneapolis. Their mom, I do believe, Connie lives there. So it's like you have connections to Minneapolis, but I don't. They don't. This guy didn't look nothing like them, and I know he. I didn't know him through them. I haven't seen those cousins or my one of my best friends in so many years. I don't even know how many years it's been. So it was. It wasn't them, but it, I come to realize that that was Big Floyd from Houston. And then that same cousin sent me a video, and um, I'm not going off on tangent. I'm still on anyone can have the answers, but I want y'all to follow this. Um, I got to looking at the video, and I looked at him in this video, and I was like, I'll be doggone. That is Big Floyd. And and I didn't you know I didn't get any more sad or any less sad because the situation is sad. I just looked at it like you know what God must be trying to tell some of us something, and I don't know exactly what that answer is, but a lot of these folks that have died at the hands of police or people wanting to be the police, like George Zimmerman and these Beckys and all the, you know, these backyard Beckys and these folks that call the police on black folks and then ramp it up, say, oh, he's trying to attack me, or, or they got a gun, I think they got a gun, like they did Tamir Rice. Um, you know, they, they have an answer for me. And I'm just saying that because when I say answers come from some of the weirdest places, and some of the strangest people, and some of the oddest things that can happen. These are the days where you look at things and you can either get upset and angry and lose focus and just completely be emotional, or look at it and say, what, is, what can I learn from these situations? And uh, trust me, I am clear that one of the answers that has been uh, prevalent in my mind, and the reason why I act the way I do when I see law enforcement, I'm going to tell you a story about yesterday in law enforcement. I, I understand that one of their tasks, I know it's not in the law, 
and I know it's not on the books, but law enforcement has always had people who want to feel power tend to want to be involved in law enforcement. And a lot of them, when they were younger, had negative experiences with black people. Even if the black people that they had negative experiences with never knew it. And they look at that job as a way that they can get back at people. And some of them have problems with other people and they look at getting back at fat people or 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 people who are great in shape and you know, whatever. Certain people these these guys, some of these guys who have this power kick, they want to exact that power on I see them do it to rich people, you know. If people don't think they they do it to rich people, but there's a guy that I follow on YouTube. I'm not going to say the name of his YouTube because I'm not giving him any promotion. He's a white dude, and they drive around these Lamborghinis and Ferraris and Bugattis, right? And that's all they do is drive around these expensive cars, and they make money doing it, and they go to, like, Beverly Hills all the time. And the guy's from Canada, and he gets pulled over quite often. Usually they try to say he's speeding or they say tent or something. But I look at these cops and how they interact with this rich dude, and they don't like him. They arrest him sometimes. They're always giving him a ticket. And a lot of the stuff you can tell that the cop just makes it up as he comes up to the car and starts talking to him and, you know, talking about the ID is not good from Canada. And I'm like, this dude has no idea what NAFTA is or anything that you can drive with a driver's license from Mexico or Canada anytime you want in the United States. You don't have to have an international driver's license to drive here. Other countries you do, but countries that touch the United States, you don't. And it's like, I know that, and I'm just a normal person in East Texas. But the answer is not there because these guys pick on rich guys too. So I got to looking at it. And I said, universe, what are you trying to tell? The universe begins to tell us some of the infinite things. By the way, it's 822. We're halfway through this show. I'm just dead halfway through. Thank you for tuning in on Blog Talk Radio to the Gumbo Talk. My computer is rebooting now, and we're seeing some a movement. Um, I said, what is the universe teaching us in these moments, in times where it's like there's always something out to get us? If it isn't a certain kind of bee, uh, a certain kind of virus, a certain kind of brutality, a certain kind of health issue. Um, it, you know, it goes on and on. It's always something, right? Well, there are universal principles out of all the things that we look at negatively that tell me that there is vice versa or um, complementary, or here's another word that um, we often fail to, to, to put into play, and that is, um, um, what is it? Uh, come, 
I gotta I gotta put this word into my to my, my tongue. Let me get it this complimentary. That's it. A complimentary world we live in. So with all this negative stuff, vice versa and complimentary, there is positivity. I don't like the burning down of buildings or looting buildings in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, where when it comes back, if it comes back, or it reopens, they're going to charge more for their items because they have to recoup that which they lost and they've got to recoup it out of that store. <clears throat> Same thing I say about people across the street at a family dollar I have across the street. People constantly come in there and steal. They stole to the tune of $77,000 last year was the shrink out of that store. And the, the managers and stuff, I see, I see certain people come in when the manager is getting on young kids. And sometimes, most of the time, because I live in a black community, they're black kids. And most of the time, these managers and people working are white. And they're getting on it. They're cussing them out. And I'm like, you know, I'm standing there. I don't have a problem with it. Now, if they were using some language that was spicy in the sense of it being racial, I'd have a problem. But cussing them out, I said, well, these kids just cussed them out and said they wasn't stealing. But clearly, you got something under your shirt that you didn't pay for. It's sticking out. And they got you on camera, and, you know, you, you were stealing. Stop stealing because you're raising the prices on me. You ain't thinking about me. You think about the fact that you steal that $10 speaker, that they're going to have to start charging $12 so that every five speakers they make up for that one that's stolen, you see. And then people come in the store. This is that thing about the answers, right? They get mad because these white people are cussing out the young black children who won't listen to me. I don't know if they got parents that listen to them or they listen to or, or, or an adult. But if you're in there stealing and then you cuss people out and say you're not and they tell you to leave the store and you don't and then you finally leave and then somebody else sees on the tail end, they don't have all the answers. And so they think it's just white folks against black folks. I'm not subscribing to that. I'm not even putting the whole group of the white race anymore in the kitty of being a part of this problem that we're having. That's not the answer either. I have my certain prejudices, and just like anybody else does, but on the grand scale as a black man, what does my prejudice do to anybody really versus a white man that's uh, the CEO of a bank or a bank president and what he could do to discriminate against black folks if he has severe prejudices against black folks. So I'm in a quagmire. The quagmire is, is the answer in teaching and training and education? I think so. Or is the answer in rehabilitation and correction because the person didn't accept the education and the training and the teaching? And that's what our society leans towards with, 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 
black males, which we're going to get into next week heavily. But the answer to the dilemmas come from anywhere. So since we're talking about um, the criminal justice system and street life, right, which leads into that, how many times have you seen the guy at usually at the gas station when you get out of the car, now everybody doesn't go to a gas station like this, but I go to some of them sometimes or corner stores where there's a person that asks you for a dollar or 50 cents or a quarter. Can I get a quarter? Can I, can I get a quarter? You got 50 cents? Hey, man, can I get a dollar? Can I get $2 to bowl, right? I got to the point where one time <laughs> when I was living in Louisiana, young man, early 20s, late teens, I can't remember when I picked up on it. But when I got to a certain store and I seen the guy, and if they all got that same look, you know it's coming, you know, if you got that discernment because you see it so much. I got to the point where I started responding to them. Well, I started um, communicating with them before I had to respond to their request. And when I get out of my car or get out of the passenger side of one of my partner's cars or whatever, um, I would immediately, when I saw them finna get up, I'd walk right to them and I'd say, hey, my man, my man, my man, what's going on, bro? Oh, brother, I was just going to come out. Of I'm like, yeah, man, shoot, I want to holler at you, man. Hey, look, I'm going to go in this store and, and buy me a couple of beers, man. You think you got 50 cents on this? Oh, man, I ain't got it. I was about to ask you for 50 cents. I was like, man, I'm 50 cents short. Man, hey, maybe somebody else in here got it. Well, all right. Oh, shoot, brother. Man, holler at me when you come out. If you got any spare change? I said, I never had spare change. But you see, it was <laughs> the answer that I got was, you know, uh, be uh, <laughs> on the offense versus being responsive in situations you know can it used to upset you that you can kind of flip the script on. But what that did was that helped me in a lot of instances start having a conversation and figuring out you know, how some of these guys got to the point that they were doing this. And then it also helped me figure out um, some of their their um, current situation and how bad those situations were. And some of them, they weren't all that bad. They were just hustling. But I, I got to talking to them, and I found that these guys and some ladies have so much knowledge. What 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 a lot of people call a bum, I never call them bums. Um, street folks, I call most of them hustlers. They do hustle. Some of them are swindling, but they out there trying to get their money up in a society where that's pretty much the confines that they can work in because of either health kiss conditions, you know handicaps or whatever, disabilities, or because of criminal justice background, that doesn't necessarily 
mean that your intelligence is lacking? You made a lot of dumb decisions, right? In most instances, I was talking to the, I had a guy come out and give me a quote on some home improvement things, and he didn't know, bless his heart, but he began to learn of how, how life is and for, certain, for some people. And what we were talking about was, was how, um, you know, every individual is, is an individual. They're not necessarily part of uh, a group uh, per se, but they are in a category for sure, but that doesn't negate any other potentiality that they might have for teaching or reaching people. And I was discussing with him how people around the barrel when I was younger, and even now when I go, I'm not around the barrel much anymore. Not that I've graduated from it. I don't get out and, and, and mingle with a lot of people like I used to on purpose. I, I kind of not even, you know, even before corona, I, I had to start slowing up because I would find myself, you know, out there coaching and teaching more than I was listening and learning. And so I just don't I just didn't want to be in that situation. But when I was, I was able to listen and learn and hear about how some of these guys were veterans, about how some of these guys had these high-paying jobs, about how some of them struggled all their life, but even in their struggles they were able to raise, you know, several children and put some of them through college with three or four jobs at a time and then you get divorced and the wife took the house and everything and you just was like, you know, you can have everything, these cars and everything, and then they might have lost their job or something came up with all that stress and they got a DUI and that helped them lose their job and, you know, it costs you about ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 through some of these DUIs after paying all these expenses to get back on your feet and they never could get back on their feet, you know. And it's just so many stories, but I said, you know what, I'm learning what mistakes to avoid because I'm listening to people in some of the oddest things and some of the weirdest places. You know, it's just it's just ironic, really, of how you can get an answer from just about anywhere. Now let's talk about things. Right quick before we go, it's eight thirty five, I'm gonna do another ten minutes of this show. Um, but the fact that there are things that can teach us is also mind-boggling. So check this out. Check this out. People, um, <laughs> people get in the way of things teaching others how to be better. We get in the way. How do things teach us? 
um, animals, um, the weather, uh, and and also just the way Mother Earth works, insects. My son likes to play with bugs, ants especially, because they're they're prominent. So ants get in the house. I had Terminex come out, and we still had ants come in, but I said maybe they're going to die. The colonies have to die for some of these ants to stop. They'll die, some of them, but they still send out sentinels, right? So I give them another week, and I still see ants in here. Terminex come back out of here to do something with these ants again. But um, my son was playing with ants, and he was killing them, right? killing them, killing them, and killing them. There were about four or five of them. But he started asking questions like, do these ants bite? I said, no, those are what you call like sugar ants. They're small, little black ants. They're sugar ants. They don't really bite. They're looking for food. Uh, but, you know, ain't much that they can get to. But we got plenty of food in there if they were to try. But it's pretty sealed up and out of the way. And I got to telling them, he started asking more and more questions. And I started saying, you know, they live in those, those ant mines, and those are like colonies. And he said, well, what is that? I said, well, they all live together. He said, well, what about their brain? I said, no, I don't think ants have much of a brain. And, well, what about their lungs? And I said, no, they don't have lungs. I said, they're insects. They have an exoskeleton. Their skeleton is on the outside, and pretty much everything on the inside is a, a functionality of what their position is. And I said, those ants are like drone ants. They go out and find things, and then they leave a trail so that other ants can follow them and get the food source and take it back to the colony to feed the other ants and the queen. And and we got to talking about how that's, you know, a great setup. And I'm like, here we are learning from ants how to get along. And I said, they don't live long, but they take care of one another, and certain ants, Different shapes, different sizes in the colony have different roles. I said, there's some ants that got wings, and they fly around looking for stuff. And uh, some ants are bigger, and they're guard ants. They, they protect, you know, the colony. That's their, their job is to protect the, the colony. You know, the queen is there to lay eggs so that the colony keeps living. And when she dies, another Ant becomes a, a female female queen, takes up that role, and next thing you know, the, 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 the colony continues to grow with the new queen laying more egg sacks or egg, ant eggs, you know? That's, that's things teaching you about life and how life you know, is ever-evolving. With death, there's life, and with life, there's death. Um, the, the fact that you have, when we're talking about these situations with brutality by the police, you have you know, hate prominent there, but hate isn't permanent. Hate, when Martin Luther King said hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. When he said, uh, you know, talked about heaven, you know, and, and hell, 
they, these are big old. Um, what do you what, what can you say? Um, yin and yang things. These are these are great big old uh, complementary things about life. There is power that is possessed by everything. The power is energy and it's forever moving because everything vibrates. And with all this power around, there is a chance for things to change. And change can only come when you find the answer to that which is a problem, even if you don't know it was a problem. Now you do because you found an answer that even if you weren't looking for it, it fulfills something in you to help you change because if you knew better, you would do better. And the things that we come across, like hate, can only be driven out by love if it's to be driven out. And then if there is heat, right, the only thing that can drive out heat is cold. And, and you cannot drive out heat with other things. These, the, the way it goes with answers is answers are all in these silos. Yeah, I know we try to break down silos and all bring all these things together. But when you have a heat problem, it's because there's not enough cold. When you have a hate problem, it's because there's not enough love. When you have a height problem, it's because there's not enough ground. When you have a gravity problem, it's because you don't understand the laws of the universe. See, you can't, you can't get past the fact that everything has a yin and a yang. Almost everything is male and female. And you see how things get misconstrued when male and female gets cattywampus. And, and, and I mean it. I mean, like, when, when you do something, we only have a couple more minutes of the show left. Thank y'all for tuning in, Sierra and Alexis. I say you think I had a, my computer restarted at the, in the middle of the top of the show, first 15 minutes. And I don't know. I don't think that the enemy wants this information out there. I don't know why. But it does it to me, and it ain't going to steal my joy. But what I know is when we talk about complementary earth, the answers are always on the other side, but you've got to stay in the category. If you have a problem with red, then you need more blue. So if you have a problem with black, then you need more white. If you have a problem with white, then you need more black. It, it's amazing how balance helps us find answers. So you can find the answers through the strangest people. The weirdest places. No, the strangest places. The weirdest people and the oddest 
things. And we went through those. If everybody that's listening, I apologize for how this whole Facebook thing is. We're getting better because I'm on. It decided to reboot on me. But the whole show in its entirety is over on Blog Talk Radio. But that's really my podcast. Facebook is secondary, but I like it because you can see this handsome face, whatever, right? Chunky butt. Um, but but it, it reaches a lot more people. But on Blog Talk Radio, okay, dot com, you can just type in Gumbo Talk or you can go to Blog Talk USA. This show in its entirety will be there all 40-something minutes of it when I cease and desist uh, the show tonight. If you want to hear what I was talking about between the first 15 minutes and these last five or so. So please go listen there because there are some gems and jewels that the people that are listening on the phone get to have. And those of you listening on the phone, thank you so much. I don't know who all we have. I'm able to look back into the studio now. Oh, we got a lot of people there. Thank y'all. Everybody that's tuning in uh, on, on the phone lines, I appreciate you. But here it is. Let me put this in a nutshell again. The oddest things, the weirdest people, and the strangest places can teach us answers to our dilemma. Is that you, Spike? Absolutely, Brandon. How are you? I had to take myself off and mute. I'm good, brother. How are I'm you good, doing? Brother, talk to I'm good. Hey, I got a question. I, I need you to answer this. How come people get up in arms and when somebody brings up the fact that black people are killing black people, they get up in arms about that and say, well, it's not the same thing. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, man. I, I really don't. We had somebody call the show last night and they want to bring up black on black crimes. And, I, and I'm like, maybe you just don't understand the issue of this brother being killed the way he the way he was killed in a public in the public eye, and maybe you can help me shed some light on that. And maybe you got a better better perspective than I do. I don't I don't know I don't I can't say that my perspective is better. I have a perspective, but I dare not say it's better. But Spike, this is this is the thing that I'm talking about tonight. Where anyone can have the answer, um, because we often tune out people, places, or things that could teach us lessons. And when we start opening our ears to listen to what you see, the comments that people put out when they say this, there's a lot of people that think that way about, well, if black people weren't killing black people, it wouldn't be at all. And okay. Okay. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. What you're really saying is, you don't understand sociology. You don't understand anthropology, and you sure don't really understand history. And so whenever a person is saying that, the only measure we have is to see if whether or not they're stuck in that or they want to learn why it's like that. The people that are stuck, their heart is hardened. There's not much we can do. You're wasting your time and your energy and trying to teach them something that they don't want to learn. They're not looking for an answer. They know all the answers. But those that have the wanton heart to have the answers, they're fighting a white and black thing. They're fighting a love 
hate thing. So when I communicate with, and unfortunately, y'all, through my history, I've had a lot of chance to speak straight directly to Klansmen, um, uh, uh, the alt-right, um, the skinhead, started all the way back when I was a kid. I, I had a chance to be face-to-face with them. I was a part of that deal where the brother um, gave a membership form uh, for NAACP to the white supremacists, and and it was in Oklahoma. And was it Oklahoma? Wyoming. Wyoming. And, and, and let him pay for a membership to the NAACP. That brother got put out of the NAACP, by the way. Um, but hmm. the thing of it is, is, and rightfully so, he didn't understand that this guy was telling him he hates him. That's diametrically opposed to the mission of the NAACP. You don't offer him a membership, you know, and, and he can't be a member in good standing if he doesn't really follow the, t- the, the tendencies of the organization. So it was stupid. So anyway, the point I'm saying is, is that you can be spinning your wheels or you can be around people where you're teaching them, and those are the only, only things that you can do. And that teaching is showing them love through hopefully getting balance from their hate. Now, now, that, now, now that's the, the 30,000-foot view. Now, when we break it down where the goats can get it, as Joe Madison says it, where it's right on the surface, our job isn't to be as angry with the world that's set up for white privilege as people who seek and have had the, the, the joy of having white privilege. Our job isn't to be angry at that. We live in a society that's built for that, that's made for that. It's not made for us. So we have to understand that when we communicate or we try to um, have um, conversations that are meaningful uh, to help try to get them to see our side of things, we have to do it understanding their history and what they know. So you have to move some things if you know history. When I teach, when I talk to them, I say, well, do we know how you got to this point and um, where ghettos came from? Why you say black people in black neighborhoods are like that? Do you know how they got there? You know, do you know anything about what happened after World War II? How .00001% of the VA loans went to black folks. 99.9999 went to white folks. They were able to buy homes. They built projects for us. And you put poor people who couldn't get good jobs on top of one another. You put anybody poor on top of one another. Eventually, over the years, 20 years or so is how long it took, 20 to 30 years, you're going to end up having problems. Absolutely. And then when, you, then when you police them more, you can find problems anywhere if you police anybody. If I was to police the white neighborhood as much as they police the black neighborhood, you'd find just as much crime. you find just as much crime because everybody breaks the law. Everybody breaks the law. You find speeding. You find people burning in cities where burn bans are. You find all kinds of things that are crimes. So you've got to put it where ghosts can get it. But a lot of those people that do that, Ron, 
They don't really want to. They just want to flex their white privilege, and that's all. They yeah. say, look, this is how good I am, and you can't get any better. And and I, that's also learned from Lyndon Baines Johnson, and he, he had the strategy along with Hoover and a couple other people um, while he was in leadership that they taught white folks that you can be the poorest and the worst white folk, but you're going to always be better than the richest, most intelligent black man. And that was the ideology many of them learned coming up, and it's hard to unlearn unless you want to have an answer. Wow. So that's, that's where the ghost is in it, um, on that question. Yeah, I appreciate your answer. I just... It just puts me sometimes when you when you see stuff like that and you know it, it kind of takes me back to here. The lady that had the dog in the park, they took the dog away oh, from yeah. her. They took the dog away yeah. from her because she mistreated the dog. But you see right. a black man on the street, you don't do nothing. As a matter of fact, I heard one of the guys today say that. Oh, it's another side to the story that y'all didn't see. How many angles you got to see that picture from before you realize <laughs> that man was on, on – he couldn't do anything. When a, when a black man is yelling, Mama, his mama probably was miles away in Houston. No, his mama's dead. In <laughs> heaven? He was yeah, his mama's dead. His mama, yeah, I know, I know it, but, Ron, here it is. Yeah, but, you know, we we get into the discussion about these deaths every time one happens, and people get all upset. And, I, and, mm-hmm. and here it is. I'm, I'm going to say it slow, and I'm going to say it some more for everybody out there. I realize we've gone over time, but I'm going to say it like this. Here it is. You can either be one of the individuals, Right? that goes out and you see babies drowning in the water and you on the beach and you can keep running out there, right? Keep running out there and trying to save a few babies from drowning because there's constantly babies drowning, constantly babies dying, but you can save a few. Or you can be like, okay, we're going to lose some babies. But these babies are coming from somewhere. I'm going to go down this beach and see who in the hell is putting babies in the water, knowing they're going to drown. It's like you can sit on the post and be a, what they call it, what do they call it, lifeguard, and keep throwing out the, the, the lifeguard, the, 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 the lifesaver float or whatever they call that apparatus, right? The, the, the float mm-hmm. thing, the circle thing, whatever they yeah, call it. Yeah, I know it. what you're talking you about. You keep throwing that out there and pulling babies in one at a time, but the babies keep coming. What happens is you get tired. A lot of people are exhausted. They're tired of seeing this happen over and over again. Or you can be part of the people that says, you know what, it might be a long walk. But and, and I may not be able to save these babies that's coming down this line while I'm taking this walk, but I'm going to get down here to the source. And that's the reason, Ron, by, why we're having this show tonight, and we're going to talk exactly about black basic training 
for black males next week to get even down deeper. But the answer, we got to know that the answer is out there, and we've got to find it. We've got to walk down this beach however long it takes to nip it at the source. And so we're going to talk about some of that source talk next week because I virtually, hey, bro, I'm telling you, I knew I knew George Floyd. I was telling folks at the top mm-hmm. of the show, you know he's from Houston. You know he was part of yeah. the SUC movement when I was working in Houston with, with the record labels. I didn't realize I knew it. My cousin had to tell me, man, you know you know this dude. And oh, I was okay. like, I remember you saying really? that on the, earlier. I was you know, I, and I, I don't, man, I, man, I did so much stuff in college. I don't know. I don't want to get into it. My mom was on the phone. But um, the point <laughs> is, um, <laughs> the, the, the fact is, is that I, I, I was telling folks, I've known four other people nationally. You know, Albert Garner, the guy in Baton Rouge selling CDs, went to the same high school, was in the high school when I was there. Um, Philando Castillo, um, his uncle, and a friend of mine, they're all connected, and they're best friends growing up. And uh, Philando was also, uh, whatever you call it, in masonry. But he was high-ranking mason, and so was his uncle. And you go back and look at the interviews on CNN, you'll see his uncle, who's really close friends with a, with a person that I know real close. And, um, mm-hmm. and I just went online, Alfred Wright, the guy that got killed, in um, Jasper, and, you know, they supposedly found his body with his tongue cut out and called it suicide, wow. you know. I knew his, I know his dad, you know. I had talked to his dad a month before the boy got murdered. Talked to his daddy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it, it's bananas. But, he, we, y'all, I want y'all to tune in next week. We're going to get out of here, right? We want you yes. to tune in next week to the, the, sh- the show. We're going to be talking about black, well, basic training for black males, okay? And we're going to go in deep on what you're seeing on TV and on social media. And we're going to really get to the root of what we can do. We're going to find answers for you so that you don't have to see this in your community. You, you, if you're tired of seeing these videos, like I am. I can't watch them more than once. That's just foolishness. That gets you all riled up in emotions. We've got to get out of emotions, and we've got to get into actual training. Education and training is the new currency. And if you don't know, you need to know. And please have black men on, black boys on, or share the show next week with them, because we are going to get down in the nitty-gritty. And you black women out there who are some of my avid listeners, I need your help. Share, share, share the next week that show for the for the podcast, and we're gonna to get to the nitty gritty. But thank y'all for listening. You can have the answer. I can have the answer. Never tune out anyone because they might have an answer that you can use. That is the show tonight for the podcast. I'm gonna close it out on uh, the phone lines. Thank all y'all and. Uh,